Hi, Paul. So nice to see you guys. Want everyone to meet our, our friend Paul Antico. He's talking about triggers, trauma, particularly developmental trauma. And it's interesting, we're already diving into handling trauma and how that plays out when working with plant and fungi medicines. And you will have a better sense of how to decide on your dosage, on your appropriate dosage, very important for trauma work, as well as how to work with difficult journeys. We will also cover basics of set and setting, working with guides, and provide resources for the trauma work. Uh, Paul has been based in LA, working with psychedelics and healing for over seven years personally, and over two years supporting others. Very active in the psychedelic community as a managing director of psychedelic integration. You're right here in LA. Okay, a LA based psychedelic society, a certified compassionate inquiry practitioner. Working with another method. Okay. Also, he helps facilitate work with the trauma individual and group integration facilitator. And you have just completed the Psychedelic Somatic Institute training in psychedelic somatic interactional therapy, which sounds very complicated. So I hope you break that down. I can barely read this. Um, also, to, he is the communication director for Decriminalized California Movement. I know that we have a lot of Californians on here too. So we want to hear about that. And he does have fun sailing and ecstatic dance. Okay. Yes. Can you, so can you hear me okay? Is, is, yes. Oh, we're so grateful to have you on. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much, Joan and Neil, for inviting me to this conference. It's really exciting to be here. Good. And we look forward to what you have to say to us about healing with trauma. Yes. No, I have a PowerPoint that I've kind of put together. And, you know, I've never used a PowerPoint on Zoom before, so hopefully it'll all work. Okay, you just share a screen and go from there. And Neil is right here to guide us. Okay, okay good. So let me hit the share screen right now. So Psychedelia Integration is, is an organization in Los Angeles. And we're a 501c3 uh, nonprofit. Um, and basically, we have integration circles and we have events. So like we had the author, Bette Williams, uh, the author of um, The Wild Kindness, A Psilocybin Odyssey, which is an awesome book about, you know, mushrooms, if you guys want to grab that one. It's a great counterpoint to like the clinical Michael Pollan approach. But um, it's, it's poetic and it's, anyway, so we have guests like that on, you know, as part of psychedelic integration. And of course, now that we're all in COVID land, worldwide, anyone can come. Otherwise, you'd have to be here in person in Los Angeles. Um, and so, you know, I have an integration circle myself once a month that I hold and that the next one's going to be uh, December 19th, next Saturday coming up, just letting people know about that. Um, and Compassionate Inquiry is, you know, uh, many of you have probably heard of Dr. Gabor Mate. And um, he has a system called Compassionate Inquiry, and it's a very somatic-based system that helps you really tune into your early childhood trauma and what and how your early childhood traumas are affecting you today. And, you know, I wanted to mention that this particular talk is really trauma-informed, trauma-focused working with plant medicines. So there's other ways to work with plant medicines, but this is really geared toward let's get at the trauma. It's not so much about having a mystical experience. It's all about 
let's get at our trauma and really see if we can help release some of that stuff. So one of the key things, um, not only in Compassionate Inquiry, but that I learned in Compassionate Inquiry was that, you know, a lot of people say, well, but I don't remember my childhood. And you know what? I don't remember my childhood either. <laughs> so, And the feelings are the way back. So let's say someone says something to you and you get mad. So that anger or whatever, you know, your reaction is, whatever triggers you have in life, the feeling sense, that feeling is the same feeling that you had way back, you know, the first time you had that. That's one of the questions that uh, we would ask in Compassion Inquiry if someone says, well, I was angry when so-and-so said this, or, or when this happened, you know, I had this kind of reaction. We'd say, well, is that the first time you've ever felt that way? And quite often, usually the answer is no. And so this is the way back into your early childhood is through your triggers and through your, uh, you know, things that bother you. That's, those are like little signposts along the way. So your feelings are the key to the trauma stored in the body. So psychedelic somatic interactional therapy is a different um, and complementary modality. And basically what that does is we're getting people, you know, on medicine, usually cannabis, because cannabis seems to work really well with this method where you really focus on your body sensations and invariably things come up like anxiety or uncomfortableness. And the idea is to really stay with those feelings and sensations in the body and let them actually increase in intensity. So this is where, you know, having the, the, the therapist there relating with you is really important. And so you have, a, a, you know, enough of that sense of safety to go into that. Cause it's like, if you increase your discomfort to a level where you, uh, you know, can no longer take it in a sense, your body just kind of starts to have some autonomic responses, which is actually the release of the trauma. And a typical example might be, um, if any of you have heard of Peter Levine, and he has a book called Waking the Tiger, and he talked about how a woman uh, was having a fear response and her legs were just involuntarily shaking. And what it was, was her body working out running, because in the real situation, she couldn't run. So her body was reenacting re that flight response, which helped to really release the trauma from our bodies, because all the, our trauma is stored in the body. And, you know, you can't talk therapy your way out of it, unfortunately. It'd be nice. We'd all be enlightened. I'd be enlightened by that if it worked that way. So that's a bit about uh, psychedelic somatic interactional therapy and all these methods are complementary. So getting into what is trauma. So the original trauma is disconnection. Trauma puts the nervous system into a permanent defensive or at least recurrent defensive mode. So we're always on the defense, you know, and, and traumatic initial experiences happened that overwhelmed our nervous system. You know, imagine that you're, you know, you're a two-year-old or something and you're, you know, you're not being held and you're scared. And, you know, at two years old, you don't have any real thoughts about this stuff. You're just knowing that you have really sensations of panic. And if that happens too often, it'll overwhelm our senses and we'll just shut down and we'll start. And if that keeps happening, we'll, we'll just start permanently shutting down. And that's, you know, one example of how trauma, uh, you know, 
how we, we receive trauma. And this is another important point that uh, Gabor Mate makes, Peter Levine, a number of others. Uh, trauma is not what happens to us. It's not the actual event, but it's what happens inside us. So it's our reaction to the trauma because you could have the same situation with two different people. One person may have a traumatic response, the other one may not. So that's an important thing to note. Um, Eckhart Tolle has a great little way that explains this. So I'll just read it out. Children in particular find strong negative emotions too overwhelming to cope with and attempt not to feel them. Thus they are attempting to not feel them. In the absence of a fully conscious adult who guides them with love and compassionate understanding in facing the emotion directly, choosing not to feel it is indeed the only option for the child at that time. So this is where without the nurturing adult there to, to let us know that it's okay, that we can handle those emotions and we're using the actual adult, um, their nervous system to regulate our nervous system as the baby. Um, if we don't have that, then that's where the trauma comes in. And so unfortunately that early defense mechanism usually remains in place when the child becomes an adult. So let's say you've learned to shut down, for example, that emotion still lives in him or her unrecognized and manifests, for example, as anxiety, anger, outbursts of violence, a mood, or even a physical illness. So in some cases, it even interferes or sabotages every intimate relationship. So this is how our trauma can really affect our entire lives. And that's why it's so important from my perspective to really work on the trauma piece you know, the transpersonal piece, the mystical experience, that part is fantastic. And it'll be even more fantastic once we clear the trauma. Um, Bessel van der Kolk, who's a noted uh, trauma specialist, and he wrote the book, uh, When the, Bo uh, the Body Keeps the Score, which is a fantastic book on this topic if you uh, haven't heard of it already. Trauma specifically is an event that overwhelms the central nervous system. We get back to the overwhelm again. It alters the way we process and recall memories. It's not the story of something that happened back then. It's the current imprint of that pain, horror, and fear living inside people. And this is, you know, this is what we're really trying to clear. So Dr. Stephen Porges is another, he's a neuroscientist who's really, um, he's not a therapist, but he, he, he came up with what I call the physiology of safety. So what that means, the physiology, our body, what does it mean in our body to feel safe? And so he talks about how trauma disrupts our physiological state. It, it distorts our social awareness and displaces social engagement with defensive reactions. So the second line here, trauma replaces patterns of connection with patterns of protection. That's really what's happening here. Instead of looking at the world in a way that's more open, let's say, we are now always looking at the world on the, on the defensive and protection. Oh, what's gonna happen? You know, you're not trusting the world. And that comes from our early childhood. It's, it's subconscious for the most part. And these are the kind of things that we're really trying to get through. So from a state of protection, you know, which is the where you're in the flight mode, mobilization or disconnection, you're just shutting down. Survival is the only goal. So that's your only interest, you know, when you're feeling shut down like that. Adaptive survival responses close the system to connection and to change. So what that means is that when you're in those modes of protection, 
you're unable to really learn, you know, from a body point of view, how to clear stuff, how to let go of things, how to heal yourself, because you're too busy being defensive. You know, imagine someone's trying to hit you, you know, you're busy trying to, you know, protect yourself. And uh, so you're, you're not in a place to learn, okay, now's the time to learn a good fighting move. You know, no, that's, it doesn't work like that. So from the state of connection or social engagement, that's when you're feeling safe again. Can that get back, gets back to the importance of safety that gets back to the importance of having, if you know, if you're doing a psychedelic journey for healing specifically, having that sense of a sitter or someone that can really give you that safety, even in any kind of therapy, you need a safe therapist. Otherwise you're not going to get very far because you need that state of connection to allow the health growth and restoration to become possible. So safety is really key here. Um, let's see. Yeah, this is again a, a little more on the same thing. The overwhelm of the sympathetic nervous system. It's like when your normal activities don't work like normally, you could run away from something, you could fight maybe. Um, and if none of that works, then passive solutions are engaged, which is the shutting down. That's the body starts to shut down. The dissociation happens and you know people can be in dissociation all the time you know they're just not responsive they don't have a lot of feelings it's hard for them to feel things the fragmentation of the psyche um goes on peter levine also similar thing trauma can be defined as any unresolved autonomic nervous system response it's about the nervous system's response to an event not necessarily the event itself again that same idea. It's not the actual event, but it's how our particular body reacts to it. And those of us that are more sensitive people, it's a little worse for us because we're, you know, we're, we get it a little extra than everyone else. Um, and now there are lots of ways that this can happen. And uh, as Gabor was saying, trauma is not just a wound, it's a wound that's not healed. And that's the thing with trauma. It just stays until we really can clear it. It's just there. And things, of course, that can cause that abuse, you know, obviously big, big T trauma, as we say, physical abuse, sexual abuse, ne really neglect, even smaller things. If your feelings are not understood, you know, they're not ever understood you're, or, or rarely understood, that can really affect us. Our needs are not met parent is too busy to pay enough attention, we're left alone too much. So these are the kind of things that really help us go. And, and here's a good way to illustrate this in your own childhood. So there's a question that we ask in Compassionate Inquiry, which is, who did you tell? So imagine that you're, let's say, five years old, maybe you were bullied at school, maybe, you know, someone hit you, you maybe you're just really sad, or you're upset about something. Who did you tell at that time? You know, and the answer for most of us is there was no one to tell, or maybe there was someone to tell, but they didn't do anything about it. So it tells you that we didn't have that sense of safety in our own homes. You know, if there was no one to talk to about your troubles that, you know, you were afraid of getting hit, or you were afraid that they wouldn't listen to you, or they would dismiss you, or they would yell at you, or, or put you down, or ignore you, all those kind of things when we can't talk, we don't have that safety in our own homes. That tells us we had a certain amount of trauma in our childhood. 
because we weren't seen, we weren't heard, we're not, we're not treated as real, you know, honest people in our own right. So trauma responses, I've mentioned some of this already. Um, disassociation, various ways of shutting down, which is just kind of not feeling. We're afraid to feel, it's dangerous. Feelings are not present, they're only partially present, feeling distant. Um, various stages of not full, feeling fully present. So this is an interesting thing also that I wanna note is that sometimes people do psychedelics and then they, they don't get a response. You know, in other words, you probably heard of some people, they take, you know, drink the whole cup of ayahuasca, maybe two, maybe more, take, a, you know, five grams of mushrooms and they don't feel anything. So sometimes the body has, a, has its own ability with our own internal opium uh, source, our own endogenous opium, uh, we can actually shut down. If we're too un not ready for the experience and our body does not want to do it, we can shut down a, a, psycho a psychedelic experience. Um, Bessel van der Kolk did a little uh, research on this where he was saying that you he could induce a, uh, if, if a veteran particularly had a traumatic response, they could shut it down. The body could shut it down to the equivalent of eight milligrams of morphine, which is quite a bit of morphine. So we have our own internal, you know, safety system. And this is what the trauma really is speaking to, because this, this is all unconscious stuff here. So we don't have, we don't have the choice. So some other examples here of trauma responses. This is a good little handy chart. Um, you know, the, the, if we can't, you know, the fight, the flight, freeze and fawn responses, you know, when, when we have these kinds of situations in our lives, we can pretty much be sure that it's trauma based from our childhood. And, you know, most of us have, you know, fair amount of these. I, you know, that's my chart. It's been, it's taken me a lot of work to get to where I am now, and there's still plenty to go. Um, and, you know, again, these responses, they're not conscious choices. They're not our fault. You know, they were put in place, you know, just by the mechanisms of our childhood, what, what happened to us. This is a problem, we make it our fault. We, we think it's, you know, if only we behave differently, it, you know, they wouldn't yell at us or they wouldn't do, do whatever. And that's really, um, that's just the child's way of coping, you know, because we can't tolerate the idea that, oh my God, the caregivers don't know what they're doing. So we instead um, think that it's our fault. So we have the illusion of control. Okay, well, maybe if I behave differently, that'll be better and I'll get my hug properly or, or they won't yell at me or whatever. So that's just, you know, another piece to keep in mind. And the responses that we had, all these things that shut us down or whatever they did, they protected us because we couldn't handle anything else. And so they are good things. We don't wanna you know, blame the coping mechanisms or say, if only I didn't have them. No, they were very useful. But the thing that's great about them and that Gabor Mate has a great way of, he calls the protective coping mechanisms our stupid friends, because they were our friends, they helped us back then, but they just don't know that it's okay to let them go now <laughs> because you know we don't really need them anymore. 
And, but we have to, this is the, the trauma piece that we have to learn how to clear. So most of us live lives that are largely unconscious. We don't know what's actually driving us. This again, speaking to that trauma underneath. If we become more aware, we can make decisions that are not driven by dynamics that we are not even aware of. So this is where letting us know from the beginning, okay, we've got this trauma, let's find out about it. Now let's feel into it and see how we can now improve our choices in life. Cause that's really what it's, you know, about in a big picture way. We want more choices of how to respond, not less choices or limited choices that we don't even know that we're limiting ourselves with. And this really kind of explains it right here. So Bowlby is a, John Bowlby was a guy who defined attachment theory and it's talking about it as lasting psychological connect connectedness between human beings. And attachment theory means how well were we bonded with our parents when we were very young, particularly the mother. And so there's basically two kinds of attachment they call secure attachment and insecure attachment. And there's a couple types of insecure, insecure attachment, but we don't need to go into those details at this point. So Secure obviously means a safe upbringing. You were held, you were seen, your needs were met. Insecure is not that. All the other things we were talking about that could create anxiety. So the thing that is really fascinating to me about this is when you are raised and you have that secure sense, your entire way that you look at the world is from a position of it's a generally a safe place. So you're much more open and you're, you know, you're uh, more vulnerable just naturally because you feel the world is a safe place. That's what you really grew, you know, before you could speak, that's what you felt. And when we don't feel that, which many of us are in that boat, particularly those looking for healing from plant medicines, the entire lens that we see the world from is that the world is unsafe, dangerous or chaotic and in really extreme cases, it's completely hopeless and unsafe altogether. So that's something that you, we may not even be aware of that our just general look at the world is through that lens. Like, oh, it, it's the world's a dangerous place and we have to be really careful all the time. That comes from our trauma and that, you know, is completely typically unconscious. So it's really good to start noticing those kinds of things and how those manifest in our lives. So now let's get to, now that we have a reasonably good uh, understanding of uh, what trauma is, let's kind of plug in some plant medicine work. So, you know, just some general, you know, your people are working primarily, I'd say with, you know, ayahuasca, psilocybin, mushrooms, cannabis, uh, MDMA, LSD, ketamine, peyote, um, are also, you know, in there. I, you know, some medicines have different ways of working, like ayahuasca is much more typically ceremonial and has a community aspect, which can be very healing in its own way, because now we're in relationship with others. So that has its own special thing, but for getting into like, I would say deep trauma work, that's really individual, it's better, you know, that, that piece works a little better one-on-one. -on -one. Um, so what's happening when we're working with medicine? So we have, we have, you know, as I was saying, there's the conscious and unconscious. So we call the conscious mind secondary consciousness and the unconscious mind the primary. 
So unconscious mind is primary because that's your main, that's like the reptilian brain. That's like, you know, that's where all of our feelings are stored. That's where that bonding from childhood, all of that stuff that creates our, you know, points of view is all in that unconscious place. The shadow, you might call it as well. And psychedelic medicines give us access to our unconscious where healing can take place because that's really where we need to do it. another way to look at it is like this um iceberg you have the little bit at the top that's our that's our secondary consciousness our conscious mind and then below where all the real meat is shall we say is the primary consciousness our unconscious mind and everything that it has there um let's see some notes here yeah, the important thing to note is that even though your mind doesn't consciously operate in this mode, in primary consciousness mode most of the time, it's still very much there under the surface of your awareness. The system is foundationally important to making you who you are. A great deal of your psychological functioning and core programming about yourself, your relationships, and the world are all stored in that primary consciousness piece. And that's, that's what psychedelics medicines are good at. You know, obviously it's not the only way to get into that part of our consciousness, but they are particularly good at that. And that's why there's this revolution going on right now with plant medicines. So let's talk briefly about dosage here. So we don't want to overwhelm ourselves. Now remember all the talking we had about overwhelming ourselves, which got us into a traumatic place to begin with. So we don't want to add to that with medicine work when we are working with trauma. So overwhelm closes the system when we go into protection mode. And when working with trauma, high doses are contraindicated. That means not recommended. Less is more, start low and go slow. So we wanna feel safe. If you're too busy, like trying to, let's say you, you know, you've taken too much of whatever, whether it was ayahuasca or mushrooms or, you know, you've taken too much, you're too anxious, you're too, you know, there's too much going on. You're not gonna be able to have enough workable space to be in a healing mode because you're you're back in the fight flight situation again you're you're too busy being anxious about the journey so that's not a good way to heal so you know all this people say this often you know just take more you know well that's not a good piece of advice there's no also there's no rush you know there's a lot of time to do you can do another journey you can always you know, if you don't think it's enough and you're feeling fine or whatever, you can always take more. There's no reason to start high. There's no reason to, it's kind of like throwing yourself in the deep end of the pool when you don't know how to swim. It's maybe it'll work, you know, but you're traumatizing the person at the same time. You might, you know, you're much better off starting off slow, learning what you're doing, feeling into it. You're, this is part of learning how to take self-care with yourself as well because everything is interrelated. So taking the self-care to say, I, this is, I'm not comfortable with a high dose. We don't need to do a high dose. Let's start with a, a low dose. You're, you're starting to show yourself the self-care. Maybe your parent was the one that said, you gotta be tough. I'm throwing you in the deep end of the pool and you're gonna learn to swim or die. You know, that's really harsh. It's just, and, and those of us that have been raised that way, we don't even think that's harsh. We think that's normal. It is not normal, <laughs> it is harsh. And it's good to, you know, get a look at that. And so this is an opportunity to treat ourselves a little differently and say, we can go slow, we can start low, 
we don't, you know, again, there's more journeys, there's more, you know, mushrooms to take or whatever. There's no need to rush whatsoever. Take it easy on yourself. So now people also say again, you know, what about the high dose studies? You know, what about that? And so high dose, working with high dose as the studies have been doing and everything's doing is a vast improvement over traditional methods already. And, but notice that particularly in the context of healing trauma, the mystical experience is more of a resource as opposed to a cure. So uh, what that means, you know, uh, and high doses can cure also, but it's, it's rarely a one and done experience. A lot of people that are working with medicine, they're doing it, you know, like monthly or, you know, regularly. And then over time they get some, you know, real relief. So the mystical experience, let me show you another graphic here that really explains it well. So if you think of the self as the circle, this blue circle here, um, you can see my little arrows zipping around, I don't know, but it says the self. And then we have our trauma that's inside, that's part of ourself. So what happens is we can take um, you know, have a high dose psychedelic trip or, or any psychedelic trip. And then we can get into that place of the non-dual non reality, oneness, mystical experience. So we can totally do that. And what often is going on is we're bypassing the trauma and we're going right to the transpersonal. So the trauma is still there. And we come back and we have an expanded sense of self now because we had the mystical experience. It's fantastic. But we still have the trauma sitting there because just because we've expanded our sense of self and our world doesn't mean the trauma is gone. So that's something to really keep in mind. If you, if you think of the mystical experience as a resource, now you have that resource. I have felt that oneness that maybe I never felt in my entire life. That is awesome and healing and wonderful. But the trauma or parts of the trauma are still often there. Mostly, they, they unfortunately it doesn't seem to really clear the trauma unless you're really going directly, you know, in that way, which means you're not so much in the mystical experience portion of things. Um, let's see. So the path to healing is shown through our pain as reflected in our triggers, traumas, and difficulties. So you're all of you, like I was saying right at the beginning. Your triggers, your traumas, your difficulties, your pain, all of those are like little signposts that say, okay, this is the way to look. This is the place to, to stay with. This is where the direction of our, of our trauma because it all comes up in those ways. We don't want to avoid those things. We want to find them and move into them. And it's that question I asked earlier, when was the first time? So whenever you're next time you're, you know, triggered about anything, just say, is this a familiar feeling? Have I felt this before? And how far back in my life can I remember feeling that? You know, and if you just dwell on that, and one way to dwell on it is not intellectually, but dwell on it in a feeling sense, like feel the feeling and stay with the feeling and say, just sit with it. And it's surprising, but quite often you'll stuff will start showing up. Oh, yeah, I have that time when, you know, that often go back pretty far in our history. So our triggers as physical sensations, as I, that's what I'm saying here, they lead us directly back to those original times. So those are like your little keys. And, um, and the other thing to keep in mind is that these sensations are from our young selves. 
So when you were five years old or two years old, you know, let's say you're, you're one year old, so you do not know how to speak. All you have is feeling uh, and you can barely do anything. You can maybe move your head a little and cry and you can, you know, scream perhaps, but that's it. And you, you know, you're trying to get fed. If you don't get fed, you're going to feel like the world's ending and you're going to die because you have, there's nothing else to think. So that's the, that is the, uh, the mindset that we were in that, that is storing all of this, you know, fear and all the other things. So we make the mistake often of bringing our adult sophistication as if our five-year-old self could think that way, which it could not. So you have to, you have to go with the feeling sense of what that five-year-old felt. So you can't say like, suck it up. You know, the five-year-old doesn't know any of that. And that, you know, that wouldn't be appropriate anyway, that'd be harsh. And part of what we're doing here is re-parenting ourselves with ourselves. We're, we're giving ourselves the nurturing that we most likely didn't get back then. And this is why the original sensations are where we really need to explore everything. Um, so allowing these original sensations with compassion and acceptance to be felt. So our little five-year-old self that got shut down, that you know, our father or mother said, go to your room and don't talk to me or whatever they did and wasn't allowed to feel bad or wasn't allowed to feel sad or wasn't allowed to feel angry, whatever it was, that little five-year-old self of ours still wants to release that. So that's part of what we're doing. And it's coming out in these traumatic ways, you know, in, in imbalanced ways. So that's where our triggers take us back to the five-year-old self or whatever age it was. And we have to let that person feel. That's where the, that's where the uh, following the feelings to release them, we have to re-feel them, you know, as the child self felt, but we're feeling them with a sense of safety because we are bringing our adult self as the nurturing watcher to that process. Um, and so what happens in difficult experiences with um, psychedelics quite often is that, you know, some of this stuff comes up and it can be just as overwhelming as it was then. And so then we fight it and then, you know, it becomes a real challenge. And the fighting, of course, you've probably heard, you know, you, we need to surrender into the experience, particularly when it's a difficult experience, but help it helps to know a little bit about what's going on. And it's one reason that you know, low, lower doses are better, particularly for trauma. When you're bringing stuff up like that, it can be overwhelming and you want to do it in manageable doses. That's a really important thing that, you know, Peter Levine and many other people talk about when working with trauma. Uh, they call it titration or small bits at a time. You know, uh, a perfect example is um, if you have, you know, acid, not LSD acid, but like some real acid that if you mix it with something, you know, you, it can explode. So if you mix it all at once, it will explode. And that's the overwhelming piece. But if you take a drop at a time and put it in, you know, it'll fizzle. And then you put another drop in and it'll just do a little fizzle. And so then after a while of a few drops, then you've neutralized the acid again. So that's another example of how you know, of why, you know, bringing it in small ways is, is a smaller pieces works without overwhelming yourselves. So um, compassionate inquiry as a method 
uses the sensations in our story. So we tell our story, this is what happened, but we have sensations about the stories. And those sensations are what we focus on and that lead us to what was overwhelming us when we were younger, kind of like you've know, been saying this a lot of different ways here. And so in, in plant medicine work, same idea, you would follow your sensations. What I tell people if I'm guiding someone in a journey, it's specifically pay most attention to your body feelings and stay with them, whatever's coming up. And, you know, and, and ideally the more difficult stuff that comes up, the better, because now we know we're actually getting into some stuff to clear. We have to bring it up and, you know, to let it go. Um, in the PSI approach, the Psychedelic Somatic Institute, they work, they're very targeted with the somatic process. You know, I really like this method. I think it's one of the best clearing trauma methods I've ever seen. And they, because uh, they don't need the story so much. They're literally following the sensation. Do you have an anxious feeling? Okay, this is perfect. We, we stay with that. We follow it. You know, we just see where that feeling itself leads. It's very intense, so it's not, you know, for everyone because <laughs> you, you really have to be ready to face that. But you do have someone there with you, of course, to provide that sense of safety to give you, you know, more stability in, in being able to face that. So I just thought, take a moment here, just a, a little roomy quote. <laughs> We're almost through the uh, presentation here, just a little bit more. and. You have talked a lot about the body and sensations. So there's a voice that doesn't use words and that that's what we really are looking for. And in a medicine journey, especially, you know, visions are great. Insights are great, but insights are not where the trauma is. You know, if you get the insight as well, that's fantastic, but you wanna really, it's the feelings and the uncomfortable feelings and bringing the stuff up that's where the real healing for trauma is. So it's a trauma-informed um, uh, kind of what I'm saying here already. It's basically to allow, accept, and move into our physical sensations. We need to feel the physical sensations and we need to do it in manageable ways that are not overwhelming. That's really important. Again, you don't wanna blast yourself off. There's no reason to do that at all. Um, so this is something else that I've run into where people have described a journey that they had and they were worried because, oh my God, I was shivering and I, I stopped it and I didn't know what was going on. So these are things that can be releasing trauma when you're in a plant medicine journey. If you just start shivering or shaking, trembling, that stuff is great let it happen. You want to let your body do whatever it wants to do. You don't want to force your body to do things that it doesn't want to do, but you don't want to stop it from doing things that it wants to do either. So purging, you know, we sometimes we just throw up into the bucket. We don't actually throw up anything that was from our stomach, but we still go through that purging. Let those autonomic responses happen, whatever they are, feeling cold sometimes. I know that I've been in ayahuasca journey and I've been like freezing all of a sudden and, and that's a completely you know, documented trauma response. So it's good to stay with, you wanna pay attention to whatever's going on. Any involuntary body movements, you know, there's a, there's a lot more, you know, it's, as, as there are many people, I'm sure there's different, you know, physical 
body reactions, but you want to always welcome those kind of things. It's one of my favorite graphics about working with um, trauma and our issues. You know, we want to really befriend our demons. We don't want to get rid of them. We don't want to make them bad. We don't want to make them wrong. We want to stay with them. And once we are friends with them, then they're just part of us. They're not a big deal. If we get anxious in a certain situation, it's like, oh, it's okay. I know you, you're, you're my cool bud, <laughs> my anxiety bud. Kind of fun idea. Um, so this level of trauma work, uh, we can only go so far on our own in many cases, you know, and we can go pretty far on our own, I will say. Um, but we were typically wounded in relationship, you know, either we didn't have the relationship we should have had as far as bonding with our parents or, you know, how they treated us or didn't see us. So the deeper healing really needs to be done in relationship because we need to be in a relationship to learn a different way of response. Like if you're afraid to say something because you're going to get hit, let's say, then you want to learn through practice of saying something that you thought would get you hit. And then the other person is instead responding completely differently. So you're learning a new way of being in the world and that you can trust because you're experiencing it in your body, that feeling it's safe, it's okay to do that. As far as the PSI modality, um, that one is uh, fairly new as far as that goes. So it's it's available right now in Denver, it, it'll be available in Los Angeles starting January, and in Min Minneapolis, it's in, available, I believe right now. And there's, you know, that there's still training people in that modality. Compassionate inquiry, if people are interested in that particular modality, um, that one is available online, you can there's a listing of practitioners and you can do that online. PSI is typically done in person because we're using actual medicine. We're using um, cannabis. Cannabis has been, is a great medicine because uh, it really breaks through dissociation um, better uh, than the other substances. So you can go to the transpersonal realms after you clear enough of your trauma. So this is a link with uh, some of the, the psychedelic uh, Somatic Institute um, website. And then and their way of summing everything up here is understanding our symptoms. The research suggests that most of the symptoms for which people seek treatment are not random, bad wiring, or biochemical imbalances. So that's basically saying like the typical psychiatric model, oh, your brain has a, has a chemical imbalance, we're going to give you a drug. No, so it's saying it's not that. Anxiety, depression, addiction, PTSD symptoms are frequently adaptive responses to childhood experiences. That means, you know, just what I was saying way earlier, we have a childhood experience, it's not good, we're adapting to it, and we get all these symptoms of depression, addiction. So we're leaving the paradigm of symptom suppression and management, which is what psychiatric meds do. They're just saying, we're just going to suppress your symptoms and give you this pill. Um, and so instead, we're focusing on resolving the root cause with psychedelic therapy. And this is what we're all trying to do with plant medicines. We're really trying to get at the root causes. Some things get at the root causes better than others. Some go directly for like what, what I'm talking about is directly for the trauma piece. You know, there's the transpersonal piece as well as another option. But, you know, the trauma piece is the part that I feel is most important, you know, to really get at first. And so your ability to feel and engage these symptoms is integral to healing them. 
Um, compassionate inquiry is to drill down to the core stories people tell ourselves. It's the same kind of thing. Like, you know, we say to ourselves, well, I'm a bad person or, or I always react this way or that way. And so to get them to see what story they're telling themselves unconsciously, we're trying to get back to that unconscious thing. Like when we were little kids and our father or mother wouldn't listen to us. And then we interpret that as we're a bad person. So we want to find out that we're actually doing that to ourselves because sometimes we don't know that. And that's when we can start working with them. We have to look into that piece. Compassion inquiry is, pretty, is quite good at that purpose. So these are just some general links for everything. Um, I think uh, I, the last thing I have, just because I thought it would be a nice touch here, um, this is a fantastic poem, and I, I took out the middle piece because it was just a little long, but I just wanted to read this because it really is such a heart-centered poem. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things. So with that, um, thank you very much. And I'm happy to take any and all questions. Let me stop my screen share here. And I could post these links in the chat if you want. Please do, yes. All right, let me see what I can do here. Paul, amazing presentation, brother. Thank oh. you so much. Thank you. It's a pleasure to speak to you guys. Let me try to stop my share here. Okay, there, I think I've done it. <laughs> Q&A, let me put this in the chat here before I open this to the attendees. And okay, that's all the links. I Yeah, okay, I just posted all the links. All right, good. So, yes. Wow. Okay, that that was a lot. But it was. I, it was. It's, it is a lot. I'm surprised I got through it. <laughs> I was trying to time it. You did a fantastic did. job, Paul. I have a few questions. Sure. Uh, so it really struck me. So you're really talking about psychic, psych psychological therapy, using plant medicine as a way to facilitate that. So you're you're training people, training therapists, training plant medicine facilitators, I'm guessing. Okay, so uh, yeah, so I'm not, I'm not training. I'm, I'm the one that was trained, but- well, Yeah, so, but, but yeah. you've been trained in then. Yes, yes. And the organization, uh, the Psychedelic Somatic Institute, they are training people to use this particular modality. It's a very active modality. Like when, if, if we were in a session, I would be talking to you the entire time and I would be saying things like, what are you feeling in your body right now? And you might say, well, I feel something in my chest. And I would say, okay, well, where specifically, what, it, what does it feel like? Is it heavy? Is it light? You know, you really get into the physical sensation part of it. So in other words, I, I just really need to get this in my own consciousness. So yes. this is very, this is a guided, basically you're guiding the plant medicine journey. In or, this, yes, in this particular modality. And, is, and which plant medicines do you prefer to do that with or? Uh, cannabis is one of the best because this can be so intense 
And so a shorter time is one thing that's better. You know, you, you don't want to be doing this for six hours on psilocybin. No, no, I get it. I get it. I do readings for people under cannabis. That's yeah, why yeah. I'm asking okay, him, yes. oh my God, that's what he's doing. But he, you're doing it from the psychotherapy approach. And it makes so much sense to me. I've been wondering when people would, would go this direction. I know. And, and I've been wondering that too. When I found this, I was like, wow, this is great stuff. Yeah. I'll, I'll the compassionate inquiry is a different modality that doesn't use plant medicine. It's more, and it's also quite effective in terms of getting people to understand their, you know, traumas. So this is, this is interesting then. So when you put them through plant medicine and then you take them through this and I, I'm seeing that of course, all the, all the um, blocks to their consciousness opens. Right. Yeah. It's exactly what Freud would have wanted. Yeah. And I'm surprised like that Freud and Jung were not giving people their plant medicine, although I understand Jung used plant medicine, maybe Freud did too. I mean, seriously, how do you get to the unconscious? Yeah, that's the thing. You need to get to that unconscious somehow. And, um, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't know if, if I, there's been a lot of speculation about Jung. He seemed to really get there with, even without the plant medicine, but, but I wanted to didn't know, I did want to know that it's not like a one shot process. Typically, if you're doing something like this, um, like the, the psychedelic somatic, the it's roughly six to 18 sessions approximately to really, which is pretty darn fast, you know, yeah. considering years of therapy, um, the average is probably about 12. And, you know, you can do that weekly. Whereas even with plant medicines, when I was working with plant, you know, like ayahuasca, I was sitting regularly, but it was every month. So it took a lot longer and I didn't have that kind of guidance either, you know, but it did, I knew enough to focus on my body sensations. That was where I was having all of my trouble, so to speak. I felt like, like anxiety on steroids when I was on ayahuasca. And it took me a while to figure out that, oh, just lower the dose. <laughs> well, then, right. And I heard what you said about that too, the lower yeah. the dose, that you don't have to be, you don't have to be in that other consciousness. What did you call it? The hallucinogenic? Like the cosmic uh, mystical experience realm, right. Which I'm guilty of. I always thought that that's <laughs> what I wanted with plant medicine was that cosmic mystical experience. It's a great place to go. It's just not the only place. Okay, so yeah, so this is interesting. So do you now see people in person or can you do this online? Like with someone? If you well, the, com the, compassionate, the compassionate inquiry can be done online. This particular psychedelic somatic is best in person, uh, particularly at the beginning once, once it's, because it takes a little while to learn how as the, as the client to let your body go enough to do what it wants to do. It's really, it's, it's, it's a really interesting process you know, having felt it for myself, because often we're just sitting there, we're just feeling anxious or whatever we're feeling. And, um, you know, it takes a while to kind of let the, what if the body wants to shake? It's like, right. It, it takes, it's, it's like riding a bike a little bit. You kind of have to feel your way into it. it. It's not a thing you can learn with words. And some of these people I'm assuming are not cannabis users. So this is- Yeah, they may not, right. They may them in a certain way. Uh, Okay. It's so it's so focused that even if people are cannabis users, it's it's really different for them as well. Wow. Yeah. Are, are there any prereqs to being a PSI therapist? Are there any yeah. what prerequisites? Prerequisitation. Yeah, like a degree. The general, or like that? the general prerequisite is either you are you are already a uh, you know a therapist, 
or you're in the healing arts. So I think both of you would totally qualify if that's what you're asking. I'm yeah. a chiropractor with a background. I have a master's in counseling. Oh, oh yeah, no, so you're totally, of course, easily, yeah. So, you know, someone that's in the healing arts that has a general understanding of these kind of concepts already, because they're not teaching basic therapy, they're teaching how to work in the therapeutic way with plant medicine in this, right. you know, very somatic, it's the most somatic, you know, process I've run into. When I first saw it, I was like, oh my God, this looks amazing. And I had to do it. So, yeah. I have one last question for you. Um, so I love using cannabis with people too. And I have a, a group 420 spiritual living all about cannabis in a sense, but do you have a particular kind of cannabis that you uh, use very yeah. like focus? You have to, right? Cause I don't, well, I don't, I don't think it really matters, you know, and, and, and in the PSI modality, they, they really say it's really not the medicine, it's the process. And you can, you can do this same process, this PSI process without medicine. It just takes longer. That's the whole benefit of having the medicine getting into the subconscious much more easily and, and it makes it more accessible more quickly. But you could do the same technique without medicine and it'll work. It just takes longer. So it's yeah. not the medicine per se, you know. And so in our training group, we had people with all different kind of vape pens and whatever. So it's like, it's all day. Whatever, you know, I like sativa, somebody likes indica, it's all good. <laughs> okay, I get it, I get it, okay. Thank you for sharing that. What we've, what we've really seen here, and I'm extremely excited about what you showed because what you're showing is the beginning of what is gonna be this, like, is, I'm not, I don't wanna say solution, because that's just a definite, but it's definitely the direction that we're heading to heal the collective trauma on the planet so that yeah. we can be the empowered beings we need to be so that the majority of us have dealt with traumas, past life, current life, childhood traumas, so that we can actually live on peace on earth. Right. And yeah. what we just witnessed is the beginning of that. Like you are in that field right now. Yeah. Well said, Neil, really. Yeah. That's exactly my sentiment. I don't, I can't add to that. That's perfect. Yep. Yeah. Thank you so much, brother. And yes, please do just because the chat's been going up a bit. Post your links there again. Okay. And sure. Let's connect and do some more stuff together. I want to get your information out there and um, yeah, maybe I'll perfect. be a PS PSI therapist in the future. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's a uh, training coming up in San Diego in February. <laughs> so. And we have go. our upcoming cannabis conference too. And uh Obviously, you're using cannabis here, so. Right, yeah, yeah, that's a, cannabis is really quite a good modality for this, you know, it really is surprising. <laughs> and a lot of people, you know, will say that they get anxious on cannabis. Well, you know, perfect. <laughs> yeah. Because that's where we can start working right there with the anxiety right there, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I believe cannabis is a really miracle for not just the body, but for the soul and for your spiritual consciousness. Some people could use that only for spiritual awareness as well and it does that so i just appreciate your work thank you i appreciate you guys so much too it's a thank pleasure you. thanks for the invite and love this event thank you man we'll be in touch soon give him a shout out shout out yeah. clap. Clap, clap everybody millions of souls. energy to la to paul <laughs>